Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tej Talks podcast. Today, we have someone who loves BRRs. So, of course, you know, I like this podcast. You know, we talk through a few different things. I think if you're a beginner in property, this is going to be really, really relevant to you. We touch on mindset, buying properties, how to source them, how to find JV partners, how to find good builders, how to maintain good builders. There's quite a lot here that is really aimed at, you know, probably beginners. So, if you're experienced in BRR strategy, you're experienced in buy, close, or flips, yeah, this may not be the podcast for you, but I think if you're starting out, there is a ton of useful content in here. And, you know, Terry's mindset and what he's achieved in, you know, multiple sort of businesses and spheres is epic. So without further ado, here we go. TedgeTalks.LearnWorlds.com. Check it out. Terry, welcome to the Tedge Talks podcast. Thank you. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this because you've done, you know, a lot of BRR, which is you know, my favorite strategy so far. You've mm-hmm. kind of also looked at HMOs, you've done a JV, you've also got other businesses, which is, you know, I think there's a lot here in terms of entrepreneurialism and, you know, well, balancing multiple things, which is going to benefit mm-hmm. a lot of people. But before we get into that, before we look at, mm-hmm. you know, your deals, the way you've done it, you know, give us, give us some background as to, I suppose, how you started in property or in business and I suppose yeah how it brings us to today okay um long long answer really but I'll try and uh, shorten as much as I can so um I got into business before I got into property so um I was a builder from school until about uh, age 19 got made redundant very very fortunate and I'm very very grateful I got given an opportunity a sales job at age 19 in, in insurance and financial services um, worked for an American company, age 19, done really, really well. Um, then went to another American company for about six years. Um, I was the youngest ever manager there, um, done really, really well. Love it. You know, I sell life insurance for a living. Absolutely love it. I don't think I'll ever stop. Um, and because of that, you know, I, I did make, you know, good money. Um, what, what I would consider was good money from quite a young age. And then um, kind of just dabbled in property, sort of early 20s. Bought some stinking properties, some terrible properties um, along the way. Made loads and loads of mistakes. Um, yeah, then sort of heavily got into property about three years ago. Um, yeah, really, really passionate about it. Absolutely love it. Love the passive income. Love the negotiation, the source inside of it. I just love everything about property, to be fair. Um, yeah, and that, that kind of brings us to today. So I don't think there was one thing that... that specifically got us into property i was just i was making good money and i was um always interested in it um so yeah i just threw a lot of mistakes um sort of learned what i was doing and, and read a lot of books podcasts youtube stuff um yeah which sort of ignited the fire and then uh, then yeah then then sort of doing really well now so yeah mm, that makes sense and you know when you started off self-employed at such a young age was it was it kind of scary to you or was it kind of normal in property or business uh, well i suppose in in either in either in either kind of let's say business in general 
Yeah, I mean, um, at the age of 19, my, all of my family told us, you know, I went self-employed at 19. It was, it was self-employed sales. All of my family told us not to do it. Um, now most of my family work for me, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, the people that told us not to do it now work for us. But, um, but yeah, it, it was scary. It was a little bit, you know, am I doing the right thing here? But then I was always, I've always been quite confident in my ability. Um, and, and I was just very, very driven and, and had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder as well to, to prove people wrong. Um, so, so that definitely helped. I think that was one of my driving factors to get into property. I don't think it was scary getting into property. Um, cause I had a little bit of money behind this. I, I wasn't really too, con- too scared. I, I don't think, um, I just knew it was something that I wanted to get into. So I just give it a go. Um, but yeah. Wow. And you know, when you first got into property, how did you know, you know, cause obviously, you know, nowadays, especially there's 101 different things mm. that you could do in property, different strategies, different approaches. How mm. did you know, like what you wanted to do? I didn't, I must admit. So, I mean, I'll tell you about the first sort of four deals I bought. Um, I bought them all cash, um, which is straight away is wrong, not leveraging my money properly. <laughs> um, I bought one for, they were all under 20 grand. So that gives you a sort wow. of idea of, of um, 20 grand each that is. So I think it was a 14 and a half, 15 and a half, a 17 and a, a 20. Um, so that gives you an idea of the, the, the areas that these properties were in. Um, <laughs> Must be so lovely areas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> uh, the palaces, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I bought these four properties and my thought process at the start was I buy them cash, I've got no mortgage. I was getting 385 direct from the government. It was DSS. It was when they would pay you directly. Um, that's kind of just my thought process at the start. I got stung on, on those four big time. Um, I can tell you about those if you, if you like. And, and then I kind of just, um, then I'd made a conscious decision, you know, I really should get educated now, I think, and like actually, you know, think about what I'm doing and change strategy. Um, I then moved up to property sort of between 80 and, and 120 up in the Northeast, which is where I live in, in Newcastle. Um, and ran with that strategy, then got into the BRRs and then the HMOs and then the multi-units and, and things that I'm doing now. So, um, I mean, so yeah, yeah that, I suppose it makes sense, right? Your situation kind of dictated. You were like, well, I see these, you're getting great money from the from the government. Mm-hmm. It, it just worked, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was earning well doing the insurance and then, you know, with the four of them, it was 14, 1500 quid or whatever it was. Income, I was self-managing, which I think was a, a mistake as, as well. Um and let's talk yeah. about those houses then. So, you know, I remember in your Instagram <laughs> message, you made a lot of comical mistakes with those and, and you kind yeah, of got stung yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tell me about the areas that, tell me everything about them. I want to know. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I bought two in Easington Colliery. I don't know if you know where that is in sort of PLE, sort of Durham way. Like oh, Durham, old, yep. These old pit houses. I mean, they're, they're just horrific. Um, so, so yeah, I bought, I bought them at auction. So, um, I went and viewed them. I thought, yeah, it's, it's a rough street, but you know, if I can get some income and I was thinking, you know, government will pay us direct, you know, I won't get that much true. It'll be fine. Um, bought these two. I had them for, I can't remember how long, maybe six months, you know, bought 10. I was thinking, this is great. This bought another two at auction. I bought one blinded auction, which I'll never do again. Uh, one in, one in like outskirts of Blythe, the place called East, East Sleekburn. Um, and another one in Washington. So once I had the four of them, I was thinking, this is great. I'm, you know, I'm going to start buying some more. And literally within, probably within a six month period, something went wrong on every single one of them. So I, I was at the gym. Um, 
I was on the cross, I'll always remember this. I was on the cross trainer and I get a phone call. Um, is that Terry Blackburn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it was the police talking about, do you own such and such Anthony Street? So I was like, yeah. Um, turned out it was, um, I found out afterwards it was an attempted murder scene, but they couldn't really tell us that. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, someone was stabbed in the property. The other one I had in Easington was broken into, boiler pinched, um, windows smashed, door smashed in. The one in Washington had drug dealers in it. The one in Blythe, um, or East Sleekburn, that I bought blind at auction. I went to an auction to buy another property. I went to bid on another property, got outbid, and I thought, this one, you know, I can't be that bad. 20 grand, so I bought it. <laughs> uh, got there, and it was like like a U-shape um, street, and mine was on the right-hand side. And on the right-hand side, every single house was boarded up, apart from the one that I've bought. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, my God, straight away, you just get a feeling. Walked in, and it was like, honestly, I can't ex- I can't explain the smell. Like there was bird cages with like rotten bird sh- shit. Sorry for swearing. If I'm not allowed to swear in the podcast, but it was just hor- horrific. There was dog stuff, dog mess everywhere. And I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? And then I, I remember <laughs> that, walking. literally a shithole. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about, it's about that way for sure. And, and I remember walking, this is no, no lie. This is, this is God's honest truth. I walked through the living room into the kitchen and it was like um, patio doors. And I looked and there was a horse in the back garden. And I thought, <laughs> what the fuck have I done? Like, <laughs> what have I done? I um, mean, you got a, an extra bonus. Your horse must be worth a couple well, of quid. So. Well, yeah. But, but I, then re- I then found out that there was gypsies just down the road. And they were using all the sort of back of these houses. So it was, I was just like, oh, my God. And I didn't go back to the property after that um, at all. So I got the bill as in. I had two people declined to work there um, <laughs> just 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 trying to get laborers to try and rip this place so you know i'll get the kitchen bathroom out and flooring and stuff nobody would touch it um end up getting some young young daft lads to, to go in <laughs> and sort it for us but yeah so I, and then like that was like the the, the final straw with those type properties the, the horse thing and i thought and and I was like, oh my God, like I need rid of these. So I sold them. I didn't make it. I didn't lose money. I pretty much sold them for similar to what I got them for. Um, hey, so what I, wonder which idiot bought those, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think my only strategy to sell them was I thought, right, I'll go to like an auction house in London because I was just hoping that I don't think many people locally would have bought them because they know the area. So I thought, you know, if I put it in an auction down in London, they're going to sell for some, someone who's going to buy blind like I did. <laughs> and, and, and it worked. So, um, oh, there we go. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was a mistake I made, which was, a um, a, yeah, a rude awakening, I suppose you could say. And, and also, you know, again, it's kind of like, well, if you have X amount of cash and you kind of see this opportunity, you think, well, they're so cheap. I mean, you know, the yield is, you know, pretty strong on them. Let's jump in and buy them. But actually, of course, it's like the area. I mean, of course, you know, you, you'll always let out a property, but mm. as you experienced, it will become a crime scene. It will become a, a stable. Yeah. It will become like an actual shithole. And yeah, I think, I mean, of course, you can get good properties for cheap, but, mm. I, you know, I, I suppose it's cheap for a reason. And in this case, it was a pretty, pretty bad reason. Yeah. So, yeah. 
exactly. You know, after that experience, were you not scarred? Like, oh my God, pro- you know, a lot of people would say, oh, property's not for me. I can't do this. I want to quit. What was your sort of, what was your thinking after all, after these kind of funny, I suppose, mess ups? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always just been drawn back to property. Um, you know, whether that's from, you know, watching stuff online, watching, you know, the typical homes under the hammer and all that. So it does pique your interest at a young age, I think. Well, it certainly did with me. I was always just drawn back to it. And I thought, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a better way to do this. And, and when I was doing the insurance broken, obviously I'm still doing it, but when I was doing it back then, you know, I came across the odd wealthy businessman and, and I do, I'm sure you know loads of people and I do, but loads of people are, are who are wealthy have property it's either the main income or the secondary income. So I thought, you know, there's got to be something in this. Um, yeah, so I, was, I, I, I don't think there was one thing. I was just always drawn back to it. So then I, I made a commitment to myself that, right, I'm going to look at it properly. I read the the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which everybody Classic, does. And, yeah. and, and that was the, just the game changer. It just completely changes the way you think about passive income, about earned income, about, you know, getting out the rat race and all these things. And I thought, right, well, my thought process at the time, I didn't know what BRR was at the time. I, I did a few deals before, I, you know, I did any of that stuff, but I just thought I'd buy nicer properties, not not the Bronx, not these type properties that I was buying, but not even nowhere near the high end, not even the middle. I was buying sort of between what I would call the Bronx and, and the middle. So nice place, you know, okay areas, nice, you know, close to okay schools, um, transport links and things where I would hopefully get some nice tenants. Um, so about three or four of those, um, just with normal buy to let mortgages, um, you know, didn't refurb them, just got some tenants in it and those ticked along nicely. So that, that, that was kind of my next sort of step into it. And then you looked at uh, the buyer refurbishment finance model, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how, you know, I mean, how was your sort of experience with that? Cause obviously buying buy to lets to kind of tick along, you can almost buy asking or close to asking it's a yield. Mm-hmm. You put a tenant in, you're set and forget. Obviously, BRR is a lot more work at every single stage. I suppose, firstly, how did you learn, you know, how to do BRR? And yeah, talk me through your first few or your first BRR. Um, well, yeah, it was actually a client because we do mortgages at my, at my insurance broker, at my company, at Bespoke Financial. So, um, so yeah, it was actually a client rang us up and said, because before that point, we'd only, I did buy let mortgages, I did residential mortgages and, and loads of them, but I'd never done the bridge and stuff. And it, actually a client rang us and said, I've heard about this. Can you do it? And I was like, well, I've never even heard of that before. So I researched it, spoke to some specialist banks and stuff. Um, and that kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, well, I could do this, you know, because of, because of the mortgage and insurance brokers, because of the business that I run, obviously we deal with estate agents on a daily basis. Loads of estate agents use us for the mortgages. So I've got a good handle on, the, on that side. So I've got loads of contacts in terms of estate agents. So I thought, you know, I can get some deals. I can get them below market value. I sussed out that which banks would do bridging and I thought I'd just give it a go. Um, but it, it's, it came from actually a client asking us and then obviously there's loads of stuff online now, isn't it, about it. Um, my first one, I can't even actually remember my, my first ever one. I remember a couple of the best ones. The yeah. best ones I can tell you about those if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I did one in um, in Gosforth, but South Gosforth actually. So it was originally a two bed, but a large two bed, high ceilings, lovely like period features and stuff. Um, I got it for 80 grand. It was probably worth 100, 110 at the time. So I got a really good deal. I think what what put a lot of people off was the floor was all 
uh, the flow joists had um it was either wet or dry rot can't quite remember but um it wasn't that big of a job and i was thinking why is it? it sat there for ages i knew the estate agent because we do their mortgages so you know the guy called derek just said you know you'll probably take a low offer so when in at 70 i think it was on for 100 when in 70 end up getting it for 80 but because it was only two beds um i had um had a large i had sort of they're just huge rooms so um i converted the the um the living room the dining room into bedrooms so it doesn't have a communal area so i end up converting it into a hmo so that was my first of a hmo as well as well as a decent br so convert anyway so no communal area two downstairs rooms into bedrooms two upstairs so converting it into a four bed new kitchen new bathroom um it got valued at 140 Nice. So, um, so yeah, I got full money out, deposit, legal fees, um, all cost of works, plus about six grand profit. So, um, that was a really nice one. Um, yeah, and it was the first HMO. It wasn't planned on doing HMO, but it's it's close to a hospital, the Freeman Hospital. So I thought I'll just give it a whirl, and I, f- I think I filled it four hundred per month per room. I filled it in about a week and a half. So that that really got us excited about HMOs. To be fair, um, wow. But I think I think that was my best my best PR. I've done loads where you've got the deposit out. I've done loads where you know leaving five ten grand in the deal, which me personally I'm not too fussed about. I would still purchase it if I'm leaving five ten grand in. Um, it doesn't for me. It doesn't have to be a full money out deal. Um, and how are you? And I suppose people listening. How, how you know? How are some of the best ways to source BRR deals? Um, volume of, of viewings and volume of offers. In my opinion, um, make sure you're doing your research as well. You're not just viewing anything. Make a state agency your best mate. You know, I'm fortunate to have loads of contacts in Newcastle. I'm fortunate to know a lot of the agents. A lot of them ring me up and say, I've got this one before it even goes on the market. Do you want it? Um, so I think making, following through with what you say with the agents as well. Don't be a blagger and don't, don't ring them up and say, oh, I've, you know, I've, I'm going to buy 25 properties this year. Because I don't think half of them will believe you. I think if you just see you going in for one or two, you're trustworthy, you're credible. When you put an offer in, I always send proof of funds, proof of ID, proof of address. Um, when I make the offer and I do it on an email, I've always done that. I just think they take you a bit more seriously. So, um, you know, t- probably, well, not, not not last year, but 2019, we were probably viewing 20, 20-ish properties a week, every week, offering on pretty much everything. Um, I think that's, that's, that's how you find them. It's just volume of offers. Make sure you're doing your research, make agents your best mate. Um, and yeah, go to work. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, I'm glad you said that because it, it, it is volume. You put in, you know, 30, 40 offers, maybe get one accepted. But of course, mm. if you leave five grand in that deal or even 10 grand and you're getting a, you know, return of 20, 30, 40, 50%, mm. uh, you know, we can't really complain about having to do 40 viewings, right? Because it, no, not at all. You know, if we were getting a shit deal, then yeah, sure, we'd definitely be complaining about it. But what we're looking for is so specific mm. that, you know, it's, yeah, you have to just get to work, like you said. And then if we go on to the refurbishment element of BRR, mm-hmm. builders, not the easiest people to work with, I find. I think <laughs> no, a, a lot of not. people find. What are your sort of tips for, let's start with finding good builders. 
Um, the checker trade is massive. That the, the great them. I think I was uh, I listened to something. It might have been one of your podcasts about um, how much like due diligence to actually do to get on checker trade. Mm. I was I was quite amazed by that. That that, that seemed to work really well. Um, at the very start, I've got loads and loads of mates who I build that, so I was using my mates and stuff. But I found that with them, they do you a good deal on the first one. The prices slowly start to creep up, and then because there's a friend friendship element there. I just didn't like that because if there was someone went wrong or they weren't doing it on time, you know, I just, I prefer not to use friends now. Um, tips in terms of dealing with them, make sure you, make sure you agree a price up front and you say that I'm not paying you anymore. And that is, that is what I'm paying you. Pay them on time as well. I think it's really important. You know, people who've been in property while well, you've probably all experienced the builder who hounds you for 50 quid, or hounds you for a hundred quid. And they're like texting you daily saying, I need this money. Um, just pay them on time. Um, it massively helps. Well, one thing I did do actually in 2019, um, I took on an operations manager for my property business. So her role is to manage all the refurbs. Um, I just believe, you know, just stick with what you're good at. And if you're not good at dealing with builders, if you're in a position to get someone to help you. So I've got a lady called Shelly who's employed by the property business. She, she's, um, how can I say this nicely? Cause she'll probably listen. She's, um, quite hard on the builders and always get the builders whinging about Shelly. <laughs> she's horrible. I hate her and this and that. She's doing this wrong. But, but that's what I want to hear because I know she's not taking no, no shit yeah. off them. Um, so I took her on with it, with the aim to help me source and, 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 do some extra viewings for me because I, I'm stretched running the other businesses I'm involved in anyway. She goes and views properties, takes a video, sends me the video and stuff, uh, but she manages the builders. So she'll do an on-site visit day one with all builders involved, um, which was really helpful because sometimes they weren't communicating properly. Um, so day one, as soon as we get the keys, she gets all builders that we're going to use on-site. We've normally got the quotes before this point. So during the legal process and mortgage process, to purchase, we get all the builders in, get quotes before complete. But we'll get them all there day one. So to chat with everybody, she then sets up a WhatsApp group with all the builders in um, for regular updates, just so they can communicate with each other. She can give updates. I'm in that group as well, so I can see what's going on. And she does at least one site visit a week. Um, so that's kind of... I, well, I was going to say minimised issues, but I maybe just don't see the issues as much because I'm not really involved. Um, mm. But that, that that's a great tip if you're in a position to. Obviously, I know it's an extra salary. You know, she, she's on a decent salary. Um, if you're in a position to do that, that that helped me massively and just freed me up to do the stuff that I enjoy and the higher value stuff. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you can always get a kind of project manager on a per project basis, some of percentage mm-hmm. of the refurb or something, right? So yeah doesn't have to necessarily be an employee for anyone who out there who doesn't want that although you know it sounds pretty awesome to to, to have that uh especially to do viewings and whatnot and i think mm. that's something we don't think about as property investors you know and we don't necessarily need to right if we just want a portfolio and that's what it is it's cool but mm. i think to really have it as a business to have someone doing that it, yeah it, it frees up so much time for you to do whatever the hell you want and what you like yeah. and exactly. Have you ever had to fire a builder, take legal action against a builder, any naughty stuff? Uh, not legal action, but I've got rid of loads of them, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely loads, because they'll say they'll do one thing. The the, the biggest thing that, that, that drives me mad about builders is timekeeping. Um, 
when they say they're going to be there on a Monday and they turn up on a Wednesday, like it just drives us round. <laughs> so the that's end, a totally like. different day. Like, do you not know the <laughs> yeah, day no, during days? It's it's just ridiculous. And then the yeah, just cutting corners and the finishing. Um, you know, it's it's just a, it's just a constant battle. I'm pretty fortunate we've got a good solid group of builders, the, the core of the builders that we use on pretty much every project. You know, we've done 14 refurbs or something in 2019, about seven or eight last year. So I'm giving them steady work. So I've, I've got some good people now. Um, although every once in a while, you know, for one builder's busy on a different project for somebody else, you have to change it up a little bit. Um, but I think that having Shelley there to manage expectations, doing a site visit with all builders on day one, WhatsApp group, that's really helped us sort of streamline the, the refurb process. Um, mm. I mean, I think, you know, as much as lots of builders are shit, of course there are some good ones, but I think a lot of us investors don't mm. set the right process. And, you know, if you don't give strict terms, strict contracts, strict process, then of course the builder's going to take the piss. It's so easy to pull the wool over your eyes, especially if you don't know what you're, what you're doing or anything about refurbs, which yeah. I think you need to. You know, yeah. of course they're going to be flexible and say, well, you know, it said sockets, but you're like, oh, I wanted chrome, blah, blah, blah sockets. Well, you didn't ask for them, mate. So, you yeah. know, you kind of, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to lock them down and lock them in. So there's no argument. It's like, look, here's the paper. This is what we agreed. Here's the spec. You know, you haven't done it. See you later. Or, you know, let's yeah. try and fix it. Now, yeah. you've bought quite a few buy to lets. Mm-hmm. Why do you like, B- I mean, I, I suppose it's quite obvious, but why do you like the BRR strategy and why do you like buy-to-lets? Because they don't cash flow much individually, right? You've got to have quite a few. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, um, the buy-to-lets was just where I started. So so that's kind of why I, I ran with that until I sort of discovered the HMOs. I'm never going to stop buying buy-to-lets, I don't think, because I just love the fact that you can you can buy them, you get them rented out, some decent profit each month, they just tick along. It's 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 just steady income isn't it um you know if you try and get a tenant 40 plus years old in my opinion this is if they're 40 50 years old maybe it's a couple of kids um one's working one's not you know if you get a tenant like that in my experience they'll look after the property and and they're probably never going to move because they're probably not going to be able to get their own mortgage or buy their own house if, if they get to that age without buying so if you get a good tenant in a good area um you can just forget about the property can't you and it just ticks along and you get them rental link. Well, I get email alerts every time rents hit the bank and stuff. Um, It just ticks along. It's it's a great, great passive income. In my opinion, I don't think there's anything as passive as the spider lets. Um, No, there there isn't. And and that's why I like them. People, you know, let's make it really tangible for people because I I talk about how passive they are quite often, mm. but, you know, people are bored of me bloody saying over and over again. For (laughs) you, how many properties... So firstly, how many properties are in the buy-to-let portfolio? Um, of course, two SPVs, so two limited companies. There's 29 that are your now, and there's five or six going through legals at the moment. So where we've had mortgage offers, which just the solicitors are faffing on. Standard. Um, so yeah. <laughs> of the 29 that you have, let, let, mm-hmm. let's say of that many, how many hours a month on average do you think you put into, you know, to them, to in any sense, how many hours a month do you reckon? Um it's very minimal because I've got, I've got obviously the, the all managed by a letting agent. Um, any maintenance issues, I say to the letting agents, if it's under £150, I don't even want to know about it. Just take it from the rent and do it. If it's over £150, contact Shelley and then Shelley will arrange 
any further quotes that, that I needed. So me personally, I probably spend less than one a month because I've, I do have Shelley also. Um, but I've been pretty fortunate, touch, touch wood. I don't really get that many maintenance issues. I haven't really had anything major. You know, when we do buy, we normally put new kitchen, new bathroom, new boiler, rewire, plaster, paint, flooring, etc. So we normally do the full full shebang. So there's not many issues that occur in my experience, but I spend very little time on them. Yeah, I think two good points there. One is that you do the refurb right, which means for the next X many years, you're not going to have issues, you know. I mean, I think the boiler is an important one because sometimes, I mean, I've kept old older boilers and, you know, they've been like Worcesters or like Ideals, good brands, and mm. they've been fine. But yeah. there are times where you're like, this is a bit on the edge. Put a new boiler in, you've got your warranty for five years, whatever, you're, you're kind of set and you're happy. Mm. And the second thing is, yeah, you've got the roulette agent. So I self-manage about 11 of them. And, you know, I probably spend a couple of hours a month. So, yeah. So, you you know, I think if you self-managed, you wouldn't Mm. necessarily spend a huge amount more, especially with someone like Shelly. Now, I think for people listening to, you know, get 29 times, you know, 250, 300, 350, whatever buy to let's bring in a month, Mm. And do an hour work, you know, do maybe a couple of hours. That's pretty awesome. Like, it's not bad, is it? And from your HMOs, because you you, know, mm. you started to get into them last year, I think. Yeah. How does that differ, or are those still sort of in refurb stages? So, so the one that I mentioned earlier, that 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 BR, or the one in, in Gosfath, um, the two bed that we made to four. So, so that one net is, uh, I think it's just under nine hundred pound net, um. So, so you know, my bite of is between two fifty and three hundred, typically net per month. Um, so, you know, it, it is in my in my experience, it's it's double to treble the net per property. Um, you know, I've only I've only got two HMOs that are that are full at the minute. Um, four of the five that I've got going through legals at the moment are HMOs, but um, so the two that I've got are fully led. I haven't really had any issues, but. You know, one was only filled in March, one was filled in November. So I don't think I've had them long enough to say how much more time is involved. I, I can see there being issues, things like tenants not agreeing, stuff happening in there. People will just use it as a stopgap. Um, you know, mine are professionals, not students. So I'm hoping that's a bit better than every term people changing. But I can see there being more time I'd have to invest, or Shelley will, in, in the HMOs compared to Bartlett's. But if it's treble the if it's treble the profit, is it going to be treble the work? I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think that's what I was kind of, I suggest, suppose asking, right. Is that, you mm. know, everyone wants to do HMOs, I suppose, because of course, like you said, it's, it's double, treble the income. Sometimes it's mm. four times as much the income, yeah, yeah. but I suppose with that comes, you know, the extra management and the tenants stealing each other's milk and, you know, all the kind of just <laughs> yeah. humans just being humans with each other. And like, mm. but it's interesting you say that, but, you know, I suppose if we speak in a year, you know, it might be a different story. Um, yeah. You know, with these HMOs though, you, you are, are you finding that the deposit and the refurb and time it takes is bigger, longer? Um, the, the refurb's definitely more. Um, cause you've got to go through all the regulations, the heat detectors, fire doors, all the extra regulations. Um, obviously furnish them as well. Um, so the refurb's definitely more. Um, but yeah, I'm still finding be it, they would both be our ones. So it's, you know, if you can get majority of your money out and then you're making that type of profit for me, it's 
like I say, I'm, I'm never going to stop battlelets. I'm just going to do a combination of battlelets and HMOs and holderlets as well. I'm, I bought my first one of them last year, so I'm going to do a bit of that. So I'm just trying to, tr- you know, trial out different strategies just to spread my risk, but also just to keep myself in, like, entertaining. I need to, I don't want to just do the same. I've lost a bit of the excitement of battlelets now. Mm. You know, I'm sure you've probably experienced that yourself. The first few years, you're dead excited on you and you love it and you, you're on site all the time, you're doing loads of it yourself. But then once you've did a, you know, a good amount of them, it just becomes a bit of a same old, same old, isn't it? Like, Yeah, it does. Yeah. And that's why I'm looking to sort of outsource all the buy-to-lets this year. Mm. Like just, yeah. you know, have have someone like Shelley do everything, you know? I, I need someone like yeah. that to just do all the hard work, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like with coronavirus obviously i mean you know we're mm. still in lockdown uh mm. we are going to be for who knows how long god knows yeah. yeah and we have been for almost a year um mm. how if at all did it affect your business you know i suppose in 2020 um i mean the, the mortgage and insurance brokers um the life insurance side i doubled the size of, of bespoke last year so doubled the amount of advisors so there's about 40 staff I directly manage um, in the office um, alongside everything else. But yeah, we'd, we'd, I doubled the size of that business, double turnover, double, double profit, doubled uh, staff um, because life insurance is booming. A lot of people are panicking about COVID and they're taking out life insurance. A lot of people are, it's just making them more aware. Not that they think they're going to die from COVID, although some people do, but you know, they're just thinking, well, actually, you know, I do need life insurance. I do need this. I do need that. So um so that that's we've been really fortunate, unlike a lot of people in a lot of industries that that's booming. The mortgage side, obviously, the pent up demand at the minute's crazy. Obviously, we had that three month period, March to whenever it was, where we couldn't do mortgage vals and stuff. So the, the mortgage um, inquiries dropped off a cliff, but then it went mental. So in terms of that business, that that's booming, it's bigger than ever. Well, I'm aiming to double the size of that business again this year in 2021. The property size, as I'm sure you, you experienced, it's harder to find. In my opinion, it's harder to find BRRs. It's harder to get below market value when there's huge demand. Um, so that, that that did take a little bit of a hit. I had a had a juicy target that I wanted to do last year, and I didn't hit that just because I don't believe there's that many deals, as many deals out there. Um, so yeah, I took a little bit of a dip, but we still done eight last year. So I'm st- still pretty happy with that. So, so yeah. Hmm. I think, yeah, it's, you know, with something that stops all human movement, you know, it's always going to affect any sort of business in any shape or form. I think, you know, we were, we were probably luckier than, you know, like retail and small businesses and retail businesses. Yeah, for sure. sure. Um, I mean, still doing eight is, is very impressive. And what you said there about, you know, not being able to find deals. Yeah. I'm, everyone i speak to who does brr same thing mm. there's, al- there's always someone on instagram they're like oh my god i get deals all the time man get out there and get them and it's like you're just lying yeah. like um it's definitely harder to find oh, for sure, for sure. has it affected how you are planning or i suppose how you're going through 2021 like has it lowered your goals and, and what you're planning on doing no no not at all i i believe it's just your mindset, isn't it? I think if you dwell on the fact, if you if you focus on the fact that there's you think there's less deals out there, and and that's what you convince yourself. Although there is element to that, but if you're convinced enough, you think you're gonna. Oh, I'll wait until the market drops. Nobody knows when that's gonna happen, if it even happens. So I believe you still have to just 
do the basics, do your research, speak to agents, book your viewings in, do volume of viewings, volume of offers, do the basics and it will come good. You might have to offer on more properties, view more properties to get one deal compared to 2019. But it is what it is. If, if you're focused on your goal and you're driven enough, then you'll find them, I think. Um, th- that's what I believe. So my target's bigger this year than than, than last year. To, to the biggest target ever. I want to buy more properties than I've ever bought in a year this year. Um, I like it. But but yeah, it's all about mindset, I believe. And, you know, speaking of mindset, are you a, um, I assume you are, are you a fan of self-development? Are there any books you recommend on mindset? Any videos, any people we should follow? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm big on that. I got into that years and years ago, you know, before it was kind of cool. It's cool now, isn't it? Everyone, <laughs> it's, it's very cool to read books and meditate and all this stuff. Um, but I was doing that sort of, I don't know, nine. You were um, a trendsetter, mate. Nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know about that, but, um, but, but yeah, I've, I've done it for years. I'm, I'm, I am big on that. I read pretty much every day. Um, I do meditate and stuff on weekdays. It just, it just helps us make decisions, I, I feel. Um, I just think clearer because I'm doing that many things. I've got five different businesses, but I'm spinning that many plates and buying property. I'm doing all these things on the days where I feel a bit groggy. If I don't exercise and I don't meditate, I I feel that those days don't go as well as ones where I do. Um, In terms of books, Rich Dad Poor Dad is is an absolute must for anybody. Um, On mindset, things like The Secret, although, you know, that's about law of attraction. You know, you have to take action still. You can't just wish you're going to have a hundred properties. You've got to take action alongside the, this law of attraction stuff. Other ones, David Goggins is, is unreal. Um, mm. um, Stephen Covey, the, 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 there's loads. Um, but yeah, the, the, the main one to change stuff for me was, was the secret and was rich dad, poor dad, I think. Mm. Um, they really got, got to me. I like that you mentioned David Goggins as well. His, his one is just, I listened to screen, the, isn't he? Yeah, I listen to the audiobook where it's kind of like a podcast and, and it's, yeah, it's different that, isn't it? Yeah. And you just feel the, he's just an absolute beast, like oh. relentless running through broken joints. Just, just oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, you just think, wow, you know, yeah. the fact that his body really is broken, mm. his mind makes him carry on just says to us when we're like, Oh, I've done 30 viewings. I don't want to do more. It's like, shut up. You know, exactly. get back exactly. on the right move, make the phone calls and do it. Like he's running with broken feet, a hundred mile, like, you know, a hundred mile marathon. So yeah, that makes sense. And you know, when we kind of spoke before, you mentioned you have done some deal sourcing before. What was, what was that about? And why did you stop? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've got a lot of contacts in financial services through the success of Bespoke. So we'll go on these conventions twice a year, you know, we'll go all over the world and stuff. And obviously through that, I know a lot of wealthy um, mortgage brokers, a lot of um, people who are involved in property down the country. So I got speaking to a guy in London. Um, he has a mortgage broker, same as me, but he also has a big investment company where he helps guys buy property, basically sources, but on huge volume. Um, so I was telling him about what I did, the BRR stuff in Newcastle. And he said, well, you know, I'll maybe have some clients for you. Um, and this was, uh, yeah, start, I think that was back in the 2018 and we started doing some deals together in 2019 anyway so i was thinking you know you might have a few clients for us sent them the first deal sent us the money within a couple of hours i was like okay this is this is all right um we did about 35 deals that year um just to him so i sent him the deal he then sent it on to all of his different clients all over the country um 
so that was my sort of introduction to sourcing um and i thought to be honest i thought wow this is this is easy money i thought because between me and Shelley, we were, we were viewing loads of properties and I was I was buying loads. He, just sending him, he was buying everything that I sent him. Wasn't even viewing stuff, Just he was just buying everything all his clients were. So I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy money for, for, for not that much work. Mm. Um, so yeah, anyway, so, so I've done that. And then I just got to a point where I thought like, you know, why don't I just be back? Why, like some of these deals were really, really good. And I was thinking, you know, why aren't I just buying them myself? So then obviously 2020 hit anyway, the COVID stuff hit anyway. So that stopped in March last year with him and him anyway. And everything I come across now, I kind of buy myself. Um, but, but I don't think I would go back to it. Um, just because I think, you know, don't get us wrong. If, if the market massively changed and all of a sudden there was abundance of deals everywhere and I couldn't buy them all myself, yeah, I'd probably do a little bit of that, but Although I enjoyed it, I, I just feel most people, when you source, if you, when you get to a certain stage of money behind you, you just buy stuff yourself, don't you? Um, yeah, I think, I think. Yeah, I mean, I suppose every every source goes through that at some point, um, yeah. and it's hard, isn't it? You get a deal, where you're like, it leaves in no money. You're like, hmm, I could source it for three grand, or if I can get the funds from somewhere, I have an asset for life that costs. Yeah, exactly. So it's quite a tough one, but I mean, to source 35 properties to, to one person and have kind of it go, because sourcing is difficult, you know, because mm. you're dealing with people like me who are like, nope, don't like that, don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this was just in, out, in, out. So that's, yeah. And I suppose it's the network and the people we meet, right? Because mm. you met someone like that doesn't mean that our listeners can't, you know, doesn't mean that. No, not at all. Not so, at all. you know, that's pretty, that's, that's, say, Wow. And, you know, speaking of networking people, you have a JV partner where mm-hmm. I believe you don't put any money in, but you mm-hmm. structure the finance and source the deals, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's basically, um, myself in, in, in a letting agent locally, one of my good mates, Tony. Um, so he came to his, when was it? I think it was, I think it was 2018 or tw- I've lost track of years with this COVID stuff. I don't know about you. <laughs> I've lost track of time completely. A year or two ago. Anyway, uh, he came to us, he said, um, I've got this guy. He's sold a load of his properties. He's going to lend us some money. Um, on a, similar to the angel stuff that everyone sees online and a fixed return. And he was like, do you want to get involved? I said, well, what, what do I have to do? And he said, well, you know, you're the finance guy. You structure the finance at the, at my company through the mortgage broker so that was my role and a little bit of sourcing and a little bit helping out with the refurbs via Shelley so that was that was what he he kind of came to me and said just because of my reputation and, and experience I suppose in in mortgages and, and in property he said do you want to do it together so he found the the angel um who put the money in and my role is just to literally source the mortgages and, and help with um some mother bits and bobs so we bought um 10 flats on that first year that, that we got that money and then we've got Three, I think, going through legals at the moment. Three HMOs. Um, so yeah, I was kind, I was kind of approached, which was which was nice. Um, and yeah, I didn't put any money in, and we've got a decent amount of properties in there now. So, and you know, when it comes to JV partner, a lot of people mm. arguably jump in a little bit too quick. Mm. Uh, oh, you know, we met at an event. Let's be JV partners, and then a year later, you know, you got like basically divorce. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What are your tips for? I suppose assessing whether someone you know is likely to be a good jv partner 
Um, I mean, I, I knew Tony prior to this. He, he owns a letting agents locally. So, like, I knew him anyway. He manages some of my properties anyway. So, I'd, I know he's credible. He's a good guy. I get on with him personally and stuff. Um, but I would just say basic stuff, like do some digging on the person, you know, Google the name, you know, Facebook them, you know, have a look at what he, what, who this person is. First of all, don't just, in my, in my opinion, I wouldn't be JVing with somebody I'd just met at an event because you never know what the motive is. You don't know, you know, even little things like if you're doing a refurb, you might think, oh, let's do the boiler because, you know, we don't want any maintenance later on. He might say, well, no. Let, let's scrimp and save. And then, and then all of a sudden you're clashing and you're putting heads, which just causes stress. And, and, and that's not what you want in business. So I would do some digging on that person. Um, with me and Tony, we, we decided to clear rules at the, at the start. So he's the letting agent and he also sources and I'm the finance guy. So I structure the mortgages. Um, he manages the let and then we'll both share the responsibility of sourcing and managing the refurbs. So it's quite clear if you have, if you have set rules, I think, and don't just JV with someone because they've, you know, they've got money. You know, maybe think about what other what other skills attributes do you need that, that maybe you aren't good at that someone else adds. I think that's probably relevant and important too. Um, mm. that would like, be my advice. Yeah, I like what you said about don't just JV with someone because they have money. Now, look, if someone comes up to us and says, "Look, I got a million quid," you know, and you're new to property, or even if you're not, you, you know, I got a million yeah. quid, want to buy lots of houses, let's do it. I mean, you're instantly you're thinking, yeah, sure. You know, because you, yeah. all you're hearing is the money, but it's just like, would you marry someone because they have a pulse? No, <laughs> there's like some there's, people may, <laughs> you know, yeah, they might, but there's a million and one other reasons that you marry someone, and a JV is yeah, a commercial marriage. Um, and mm. so, and I, you know, and your credit scores are linked, and there's a lot of stuff that mm. can affect your future. So, you know, and and someone with money, you know, it was anyone can be toxic anyone can bring your business mm. down and what you don't want is someone who has money but who is maybe a control freak who says well i've brought the money to this you know you need to do exactly what i say but when you're the one with the experience and vice versa so definitely yeah. have to uh like dig deep and yeah i really like that that you said that so terry you know looking back at the the years you've been in property and everything you've done mm. what are the biggest three mistakes that you think you've made um, mistakes. It's got to be buying those four properties is, is one. <laughs> just buying terrible properties in terrible areas just because they're cheap. Um, you know, you get what you pay for, don't you? If, if you were, I use this analogy in life insurance all the time. So if you were going to do a skydive and you open the, the helicopter or the plane, um, and there was a hundred pound parachute and there was a 10 pound parachute, which one would you pick? You wouldn't, you wouldn't pick the 10 pound one, would you? Because you, it might not work. So, um, so, so you get what you pay for is what, what I'm saying. So, so don't just look at the, the low value properties because I made it some terrible mistakes and, and luckily I got away with it, but it could have easily went the other way. I might not have been able to sell them and, and all sorts of stuff. So, um, I, I would buy middle of the road would be what I would say. Um, uh, other mistakes, um, it's difficult. I, I haven't, I, I, I can't really put my finger on, maybe he's, um, being too keen, I think I was so focused on trying to buy as many properties as I could, and maybe 
bought deals that I wasn't sure of. You know, after those four, I bought some of those battlelets just because I wanted to be in property. Maybe if I took a bit more time and, and read up on stuff or listen, listen to podcasts, watch videos, whatever, done some training, maybe I would have made better decisions. But I think that's just because I was so keen. And I think a lot of people are like that. You know, everybody wants to be in property, don't they? Every man and his dog wants to be in property, but yeah, you, you can be in property, but you, you know, if something's by, by doing a little, taking a bit more time planning maybe or learning before you jump in. Um, cause I made that mistake. So that, that, that was another one. Um, what mistakes. Um, I suppose telling, telling small minded people a big goal mm. and they the put you down, don't they? You know, that that's the, the, the quickest way to squash a dream is to tell a small-minded person, isn't it? Because yep. they'll put you down. You can't do that. You know, how are you going to do that? You'll never do that. You've got no money. You've got the, you know, you're not the right type of person. You know, all that stuff that, that you hear. Um, don't share your goals with people who haven't achieved much or negative people. Um, and, and I sort of cut ties with a lot of my, or some of my sort of dodgy mates back in the day, <laughs> a, a, a while back. In, in we all need a dodgy Dave though sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i used to i used to talk to these these lads about my aspirations and where i want to be in my life and all and they used to just put you down and tell you that you can't do it and all that nonsense um so it was a mistake not cutting ties earlier i think but once once i did cut ties not cut ties i would still see these people and still say hello and stuff but i wouldn't hang around with them i wouldn't go for a drink with them anymore just because you know the the, the mood hoover as we call them they just suck the mood out you don't they um, the dream yeah. killers they just um, so I, I hung around with those type people for too long I think um, that was a mistake for sure you have to cut dead weight you have to you yeah, know, your environment creates you right and so it might be difficult and it doesn't mean you can't hang out with them but you just have a different type of hangout you know like you yeah. don't talk about we know we got groups of people we talk about our dreams and our visions and our goals with and others we just mm. have a laugh you know chips just kind of keep it yeah. superficial i suppose and i think after a while you get bored of that anyway and you just end up dropping them so yes yeah, yeah, you do you yeah. do you know if 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 you hang around with five gambling addicts you're probably going to have a bet every once in a while yep. on you and whether you like it or not your product or your environment so i think um yeah but but then on the flip side of that if if you surround yourself with people who are doing more than you. So I've got contacts in, in London and a few people who are sort of ring on a regular basis who've got a couple of hundred properties who are worth million, tens of millions. And, you know, I speak to them and the conversation is so different and they inspire me to do more, mm. you, you know? So, so that's the, the flip side of it. If you start having conversations with those type of people, they don't tell you to slow down or tell you to stop doing, stop buying properties. Like, you know, so, so yeah. people are doing in, in because if if you're the if you're doing the best out of your circle of friends, you think you've made it, don't you? And you think, you know, I'm the yeah. man, I'm doing class, and then you lose a bit of that drive, don't you? I feel. Yeah, it's nice for your ego, isn't it, to be the best? You know, I mean, if you're the smartest in the room, it's nice for your ego. But um, otherwise, I think it's yeah, it's not very helpful for your your kind of growth no. and your and your future. No, uh, Terry, if you could have and big up Tim Ferriss for this question, inspiration. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, two questions, where would it be? And two, what would it say? Billboard. Um, bit old school billboard. Now it's all Facebook ads and stuff. I, I was going to say, yeah, I'm more in a digital <laughs> marketing than old school, but um, um, phew, it would be something about properties. It would be, um, we buy properties for cash <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in a target market. I, I love I that. I li- Boom, straight or, business. Or, or, or somewhere like, 
Dubai where there's loads of money and you, you know offer fixed returns of eight percent on your money in the centre of Dubai because you probably get some uh, <laughs> some investment, wouldn't you? I like uh, that. That's so practical. Some people go for like a spiritual quote, but I love this practicality. Give me the money, give me the deals. Yeah, Done. man, that's what it's all about. Activity, <laughs> activity. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And if you could have dinner with any, let's say, three people, dead or alive, who would it be? What a question. You told us it'd be curveballs. I mean, I'm not prepared. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's like a curve bazooka, that. Yeah. Um, oh, three people. Jesus. Um, you must like someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, like loads of people. <laughs> it's a really, really difficult question. It would be somebody, I'm just trying to think of who's who's massive in property. So someone like Robert Kiyosaki, you know, mm-hmm. what's he got? 4,000 properties or something crazy. Um, Grand Cardone. Hello, he gets a lot of stick online and I don't agree, necessarily agree with everything. That he's he's 10 eggs, baby. Yeah, he's a bit much, isn't he? He's very American and yeah, um, I think he's in a bit yeah. trouble if you if you believe what you read online. But yeah. but yes, so, someone like that, just to pick the brains on on ever, yeah, what they do, how they do it. Just just even just listening to the stories, I think would be would be inspirational, wouldn't it? Yeah. Speaking to people like that. And then maybe somebody um, somebody in probably the life insurance and mortgage industry, probably there's a guy called, um, nobody probably would have heard of this person, but he's called Bob Patmore. And he wrote a couple of books on selling life insurance. Um, he had a massive business back in the eighties, I think it was called, um, Oh God, I've forgotten the name now. Anyway, he was just a, he was just a legend at selling life insurance and he had a huge sales team, very similar to what, what I'm trying to create here at Bespoke. Um, yeah, I'd like to have dinner with him and just pick his brains on how we done it and and things. I like it. What yeah. would you eat for dinner? Oh, what do I like to eat? I love I love steak. Um, I love um, I'm a big foodie. To be fair, I love I love everything. Do they have Do they have yeah, palmos where you're from, or am I thinking different part? That, that's yeah, that's Teesside. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, they're nice them though. They're nice. They're very they're even better when you when you're drunk. Oh, um, I love them. I love yeah. them. Yeah, but I love food. I, lo- I tell you what I love doing with, with my partner is, is going for like taste them meals and stuff. You know, when they do these like eight and 10 courses and stuff. Oh, yeah. And like, when the one that, it's like one mouthful per course, but like, I, just <laughs> love, I love like the experience of doing that. I, I, love I always it. look at those and think, I'm going to have to eat a meal before I go because. But, but you don't, you don't, you know, because it keeps you like, you know, if you have a massive meal and you, you're mm. like, you're like all bloated and sluggish and tired, they just get you just right. Um, so, so you can still go out and dance and party and do whatever you know straight, straight after so um, yeah I'm a big foodie I love my food I love that well Terry thank you so much for coming on the podcast now before I let you go I want to know what are your what are your I don't know your top three goals for 2021 Um, again looking looking at practicality my, my aim is to buy seven HMOs five battlelets in my limited company and in the JV five battlelets Um. I want to try and raise some money. I've never raised well, apart from that that JV. I've never raised angel finance, and I'm reading a lot of lot of the stuff online. There's a lot of people doing it. I've got a target to raise some money this year. Um, and my overarching goal by the time I'm 35, um, so not necessarily for 2021, but my, my, I'm 32 now. By 35, I want to I want to be on 30 grand a month passive. It is my main aim. So I just want to move as close to that as I possibly can. Um. Cool. Yeah, I've got fitness goals and stuff. Um, 
do run, go to the gym and stuff. Well, go to the gym when you can, um, and just yeah, just yeah. to be happy and healthy and, and a good. I've got two kids, you know, have a good family life, be a good dad, be a good partner, um, buy as many properties as I can, double the, my bespoke business, you know, my, my insurance and mortgage brokers. I want to double that and just live a good life. That that's that's what I'm all about. Live a good life. I love it, Terry. If people want to get yeah. a hold of you, where's the best place? Um, I only started my Instagram a, f- a few months back. Um, so yeah, Terry Blackburn Property on Instagram or on Facebook as well, but mainly mainly Instagram. Um, cool. So yeah. I like That's- it, Terry. Thank you so much. No, oh, thank you, Terry. I appreciate you uh, having us on today, mate. Thanks for your time. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.